Podcast Radio. This is your host today, Super Vegan Brian, and I'm joined by Hindu Anthony, and also joined by Special Mikey. And we have a special episode today. We are joined by a guest host, Odin, the Godfather. Odin. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> the God. How's the God- Godfather. Yes. The God- hey, how's it going? Yes. You asked me here, and what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get the ice in there. You come to me the this the day of my daughter's wedding. You ask me if I have any Delrin, and you you try and take my PVC, PVC pipe. But I'll do this favor for you. But first, I have to ask you something. Do you have any rubber cement? I can't get this helmet to stick together. It's really pissing me off. <laughs> Jesus, Michael. The thing is to do that and any kind of success. I have to close my eyes. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, like I can't do it with my eyes open. <laughs> I don't think I can do it at all. <laughs> okay, guys, this gag's over. Do you know what we're talking about today? Warhammer 40K, everybody. Woo, I'm so excited. Anthony is so excited, he doesn't even give me a chance to introduce our guest host but, or give our guest host a chance to introduce himself. For those who haven't heard <laughs> our, our podcast before and, and been on an episode with Odin, Odin, can you tell us a little quick thing about yourself? Uh, I am a host of a couple of different internet shows, both of which are, are making props. Uh, one is called DIY Prop Shop that's uh, put out by Ami, and I am a uh, one of the revolving hosts on that show. And then I have my own show as well. These are on uh, YouTube, by the way, and it's called Odin Makes. And the easiest way to describe Odin Makes, it's basically like a cooking show, but for props. Best way to describe that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And, and we're all huge fans of your show. Sweet. Why yes. did we ask you to be on an episode where we're talking about Warhammer 40K? Probably because, like everybody else, you want me to build a bolt gun or something. <laughs> Damn it, oh, guys. Yeah, he saw through us. So we didn't even start amazing. <laughs> Please do it. <laughs> well, the first time we had you on, you yes. said that um, part of the reason why you're so good at detail painting is because of painting miniatures in your past. That's right. Yes, because I was a huge Citadel fan in the past that I uh, I played Warhammer 40K when the only rule book available was Rogue Trader. And I enjoyed uh, Blood Bowl first edition and especially second edition. And I've played a ton of the old school Citadel games and Games Workshop games. I should say Citadel's the miniatures, Games Workshop's the game company. I apologize, everyone. I said it wrong. Nope, we're getting the pike. Well, Games Workshop makes their miniatures, so it's not, they're not, um, I think the company Citadel that makes them, but Games Workshop is like hold all the rights to the um, templates and everything. Yeah, and I think Games Workshop probably owns Citadel, but whatever. They're they're two different entities, as far as I know. And unlike a lot of modeling companies, I don't think they outsource to like China or something. I think they make them like in England. Yes. Well, at least they did. Uh, back in the, the late 80s and, and through most of the 90s, they most certainly did. There were a number of uh, Blood Bowl miniatures. If you wanted to get a complete second edition set, you could only order direct from Games Workshop. There were like injured players and skeleton players and things that they just never released in the States. Oh, wow. Normally, at this point, we would 
say, but first, it's time for What's Nerdy With You. But oh, Okay. Um, but second, What's Nerdy With You? <laughs> actually, um, last week, we lost a, a legend in the nerd community. Oh, yeah. Adam West passed away. Yeah. Um, we would have talked about it sooner, but he actually passed away right on the day we recorded. So we all got up on the crack of dawn, and we didn't find out until after we were done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a really special thing happened in Los Angeles. They did a ceremonial lighting of the bat signal on City Hall, which I think is awesome. Uh, it was it was really cool. I I didn't get a chance to be there, but I I watched video online and it it looked amazing. Yeah, I yeah. saw the live stream. It would have been nice to be there, but mm, life all that. And I understand yeah. Burt Ward was there, who played Robin on the show. Oh, yeah, nice. He, oh, yeah, he wow. said a few words. Oh, excellent. Yeah, uh, that was. Yeah. yeah, that was rough. Yeah, yeah we all hit pretty hard by that one. Yeah. I, I think Michael said something to the effect of um, Quahog needs to get a new mayor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Quahog yes. needs a new needs to elect a new mayor. Yes, it does. But mayor Bert Ward would be funny. Oh my gosh, that would be funny. That would be good. <laughs> so that is like Michael he- Keaton. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Bert Ward walks in and he's like, "Yeah, I was actually the deputy mayor this whole time." <laughs> Oh, that'd be good. But yeah, like it's really sad that he passed away because I first saw that the because I knew him first from the the '60s Batman show. My dad turned on the reruns when I was a little kid because that's what he watched when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. And we we watched that together, and I thought it was just great. I loved it, and then seeing him, you know, come back out, and I've always like the last fifteen years he come back out and just uh, be part of the entertainment scene again and yeah. be very popular again. I loved it. Yes. Yes. Agreed. All of us at Nerd Podcast Radio, Adam West, we salute you. Yeah, and if we had bat signals ourselves, we would keep them lit for you forever. Or until I the have a giant bat signal shining all across the wall of my room right now, and I'm going to have it there for the rest of the year. Oh, yes. that's it, true. That is awesome. It's too bright to video or photograph, though, so I won't be able to share that. But just trust me, it's it's there. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. And that's all that matters. And that's all that matters, yes. <laughs> We're going to talk about Warhammer 40K today, but first, it's time for everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where us and our and our guest hosts all share the nerdiest thing we did this week, and at the end of our segment, we all vote on who did the nerdiest thing. Odin, as our guest, as usual, you are first. What is the nerdiest thing you did this week? Sweet. Nerdiest thing I did this week, I believe, would be uh, I got together with the uh, director of the television show Beyond Geek. And what we did is we took a uh, aluminum and polycarbonate combat lightsaber, the type you can actually go out and fight with. We disassembled it and then took the guts out of a blade builder's lightsaber we picked up at Walmart for 10 bucks and put it back together and made it work. So I made a combat-ready lightsaber for uh, with a $10 soundboard, and that's an upcoming video on Beyond Geek. Oh, God damn it! You made it really hard to compete with you again. <laughs> he always does this. Why do we? Why do we fucking try? You this. don't know the power of anyway. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I might be able to compete, though. To be honest, I really do. All right. Yeah. All right. So, um, Anthony. Anthony, you are up next. What was the nerdiest thing you did this week? Okay, so I was debating between painting or this, and I picked this thing. So a while back at the preschool that I have been working at, um, I was in this class. It was a, a TK class, a transitional 
kindergarten classes for the kids that were like just too young to go into kindergarten but you know they're older than all the other kids so it's like the most advanced class that we have at the preschool and i taught some of the kids to play chess and the teacher was like the kids really liked it i think that you should start an enrichment program um we have enrichment programs there where like the kids go to like do karate swimming ballet dance it's just different thing it's just different classes Uh, they're enrichments so basically yesterday i was in the process of talking to the preschool director and one of the and like the lady at the front office of the process of getting ready to start a checkers and chess class at a preschool to teach like five-year-old kids how to play chess and checkers okay yeah that that's fantastic so i am in the process of creating a chess club essentially for preschool kids that's exactly what i was thinking that's awesome (laughs) um when does it start it probably wouldn't start till january uh that's what the teacher who does the tk class recommended to get the kids um like more mature so have it more towards the middle of the year end of the year kind of area okay i can't wait to hear more about that yeah it'd be a lot of fun see how that goes i it must be a challenge to develop a way to explain the rules to to preschool kids. But I, you know, I, I think it's possible because I think I was about that old when my grandfather taught me. The, the kids that I taught got the rules like fairly well. I mean, some of them got it better than others, but it but it's not as complicated as you would think. Like, I mean, some of the moveset, it, it's really just remembering the movesets. That's a little difficult. But the kids generally listen. Um, they generally abide by the rules and they have fun doing it and i think it's really i think it's a really good thing to teach the kids because it's a it's a good connection of like representation like this is a knight yeah it looks like a horse but it's a knight like a knight in shining armor so it's a good like way to represent symbols stand for something and then you know obviously the tactics of things thinking ahead of time not just thinking in the now because chess is obviously a game of thinking two, three steps ahead. So don't just do something because it's a good idea now, but do it because it's a good idea later. Good strategies for kids. That's actually really awesome, dude. All right, Michael, what's the nerdiest thing you did this week? <laughs> the nerdiest thing I did this week was actually, I went earlier this week to the mall with my wife and a couple friends. I do this thing every time to I kind of give my wife a hard time whenever we go into Old Navy because... I had an old Navy jacket years ago. It was my favorite jacket. I loved it. One day it turned up missing. And because it turned up and it turned up missing, we never found it. I was really depressed. And so I kind of would like mope about it. And so every I, I kind of got into this thing where every time we walked into old Navy, I would just mope and be like, yeah, remember that jacket I used to have with that awesome jacket. And she'd get super pissed off every time. Well, I actually found a jacket that looks kind of like my old one. And I liked it. And we I ended up ordering a larger size that they didn't have in the store online and having it shipped to myself. So my nerdy thing this week is me actually nerding out when the jacket actually showed up. Ooh, and the whole thing is because also I sat here for the, I sat for an entire week waiting for it to show up. And I actually nerd raged when it wasn't in the regular mail like it said it would be. It actually showed up with like a special post office large package delivery. Like I sat, I sat for half the day, like really upset. I think, I think, um, I think that was, I don't know how to react to that, Michael. <laughs> Odin made a lightsaber. Yeah. Anthony influenced the youth, and you started a pre-K chess I, club. <laughs> I bought a jacket. 
It's not that I nerd raged over a jacket. Yeah. I nerd raged over a jacket. All right. There is there is no All nerd right. shame here. So if you felt nerdy, that we, we need to accept that. I didn't All feel right. like a nerd until the jacket actually showed up. My wife's like, I told you. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a cool moment between you guys. It, it, it was, especially because of the moment I put it on. She goes, does it fit? I said, yeah. She goes, good. Now leave me alone about the stupid jacket. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, All you right. don't get it. I have been like basically guilting her because I... She, we said it got lost, but like I knew some she had to have done something with it. So like for like, two years, I have guilted her every time we got close to Old Navy. Have you told her you felt like she had to have done something with it? Or is it suddenly going out on the Internet now? She realized oh. that you blame her. OK, you know, I was I was picking on Michael for his not being not being that nerdy. But I did something very similar. Um, I ordered um, Rolling Stones number 983. Rolling Stones number 983 is a very special issue because it features the Rolling Stones on the cover for the first time in a really long time. But that has nothing to do with the reason why I wanted this magazine. Rolling Stones number 983 is the first magazine has the first magazine ad inside of it for Supernatural. Oh, okay. And and it is a very special ad in that when you open it up, it's a fold out of Sam and Dean and the Impala. And after the magazine is open to that page for a few seconds, a speaker turns on and the lights on the Impala turn on and the engine revs. Wait, what? That's yeah. Pretty, that's pretty cool, man. Okay. That's pretty an expensive cheap. ad. That pretty was in every cool. one of the magazines? That was in every Rolling Stone 983. Wow. That's pretty Holy dope. Crap. Now, I am not counting on that speaker still working after 12 years, but it had some sentimental value to me because it was where I first heard of the show. So... I got that magazine. Um, it hasn't arrived yet. I just ordered it. So I'm really excited. On that note, let's vote. I vote for Odin. I have to. That's quite amazing thing you did this morning. It hurts my heart because I was really hoping to win this morning, but we had an Odin on. So who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm voting for Odin, too, because there's no way. I mean, come on. It's a jacket. Anthony? Yeah, I'll, I'll vote for Odin. Aw. And Odin, who do you vote for? Actually, I would vote for Anthony. I think it's really, really cool he did a pre cake uh, chess club. I'm sorry. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, if, yours wasn't the t- it was, if you weren't like, yeah, I put a soundboard in an actual combat lightsaber, I'd have been like, hey, Anthony, you did some youth stuff. That's awesome. Here's my vote. <laughs> so- it's okay. I'll bring it up probably later when we actually do the club itself, and then I'll probably win that week. I beat the hell out of kids in chess this week. Do I win? <laughs> Jesus, dude! Double king, my queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good at checkers, so they'll probably beat me in checkers. I have to learn how to play checkers actually before I teach them. But I can play chess. I do know how to play chess. That's not a problem. Oh my gosh! I can't wait to see you beat up little kids with chess. Um. What? what? You're gonna beat up little kids with chess. That's that's how it is in my head. I'm, okay, I'm not beating up little kids, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Words, Michael. Words. Words. Okay. Words. Uh, I can't say mentally abused because that's funny. It works like you mentally abuse your students. What's wrong with you? Yeah, that's yeah. That's even worse. Just shut the fuck up, Michael. <laughs> like I saw a shirt one time. It was like it, it's a like um it was like a, a teacher shirt and it said babysitter. <laughs> I was like, oh, or something like, you call me a babysitter? I'm not a babysitter. I've never once sat on any children. That's pretty good. I like that. So today we are talking about 
Is this a great, a good time to jump in now? <laughs> no, we got another half hour to kill first. Yeah. <laughs> nope. uh, yeah. Hang on. Let's, let's just wait another half hour. Dead air to cut out. <laughs> Today we are talking about Warhammer 40K. Warhammer 40K is a tabletop miniature game produced by Games Workshop. Set in a dystopian science fantasy universe, Warhammer 40K was created by Rick Priestley in 1987 as a futuristic companion to Warhammer Fantasy Battle, sharing many game mechanics. Expansions from Warhammer 40K are released periodically, which gives rules for urban, planetary siege, and large-scale combat. Most stories are set in the 41st millennium, some 38,000 years in the future. Humans have settled more than a million worlds across the galaxy, most of which are ruled by the Imperium of Man, a brutal theocratic regime united in its worship of the immortal god-emperor of mankind. Despite its size and power, the Imperium teeters on the brink of collapse due to a combination of escalating war, corruption, bureaucratic inefficiency, and technological stagnation. So, Anthony, how did, how that was the first couple paragraphs off the Wikipedia page for Warhammer 40K. Does that even begin to describe the game? It's like a decent start. There's a lot involved, like a ridiculous amount involved. I would suggest if anyone wants to like get into the lore of it, there's a guy on YouTube called Arch Warhammer. Now, he occasionally goes on like some like political rants and stuff, and I tend not to agree with his political like opinions, so I would just avoid those. But he does some really good lore like videos where he explains the lore of stuff in the in Warhammer 40k and Warhammer Fantasy, and he does a very good job. And it's very funny, and he explains things extremely well. He even talks about the books, because uh, there are books that go with Warhammer 40k that explain stuff. Like, example, the Horus Heresy series. But yeah, I like it's a good start. That's a good way to explain, like, this is the story of what the game is built on. Why don't you give us a quick synopsis of what the game is from your point of view as someone who's currently playing the game? So, like, the game or the lore, specifically? Um, the game. What What is Warhammer 40k? Like Brian said in the thing, it is a tabletop game. Uh, not tabletop like D&D, though. So, the whole thing is you grab these, you buy these models. Uh, they can be kind of costly. Sorry. Yeah. And they come on these little plastic, like, sprues. Like, these little plastic, like, um... Yeah, sprues is, like, the only way I know how to, like, explain it. You cut them out... Uh, you clean them up, you know, like cut off the like little plastic tags, sand them down if you really want to get very technical, um, glue them together, and then you paint them. Or not paint them. Lots of people don't paint because they're just really into the game. A lot of people spend a lot of time painting because they're more into the painting, less into the game. So it is both a modeling hobby, a collection hobby, and a gaming hobby. It's like the trifecta of hobbies. Each of the models have their own set of rules... Um, their own set of characteristics like strength and toughness, weapon skill, ballistic skill that kind of is expressed onto the table. And actually a new statistic that they added is a movement characteristic. Now each model has its own distinct movement instead of the movement being based on what type of class of model they are. It's now like example, all infantry used to move just six inches. Now in the latest edition, which drops today, eighth edition, Instead of it being like, oh, infantry move six inches, it's like, these guys move eight inches, these guys only move four inches, and so on and so forth. And everything's based in, like, inches. Uh, everything that determines combat effectiveness is based on a die roll of D6s. 
And that's pretty much what it is. It's just measuring and rolling D6s. And that's about as complex as it can get. Well, you talk about measuring. What I'm wondering is, are, are, is it still all done just with measuring tapes? Because I can remember they had transparent ruler templates that you could that you could use in order to figure out what your ranges were and how far your, your movements could be. Okay, so this is where like things in 8th edition start popping up. Um, yeah, there are measuring tapes, obviously. Um, obviously. You could buy translucent rulers if you want, or they, like in the box set that I'm picking up today, it's the starter set for 8th edition. They, they actually have like a little like, nice translucent, translucent ruler. But measuring tapes are best because the translucent rulers tend to only go up to a foot and measuring tapes can go up to like, you know, 48 inches. And sometimes there are things that do have a range of 48 inches. Now, as far as Bolter is 24, right? Or is that change? That is the same, except for there is a new particular group of space marines that comes in the starter set called Uh Primaris Marines. They have a weapon called a bolt rifle, which is 30 inches. Oh, all right. It's it's a different version of the Bolter. Longer range, less shots, more damage kind of thing. That's a new thing, too. I'll, I'll get into all the new changes. Uh, so like I was saying, 8th edition dropped, and they made a lot of changes. One of the changes they made is they got rid of templates. Uh, so you mentioned templates. What he's talking about is before, oh. there used to be things like if you had a flamer, you had a little teardrop flame shape. You would put the small pointy end of the teardrop in yeah. front of the, the flame weapon, and you would have the big teardrop shape pointed out towards the enemies. And whatever was under that template got hit. Missiles, you would have like big blast markers, like they're giant pie plates. You would put them over the things you want to shoot. You would roll something called a scatter dice and two D6s. And the scatter dice would say where it scatters off to, and the two D6s says how many inches. Or if it was a hit marker, it it was a direct hit. And whatever was under those little pie plates took hits. They got rid of that. Good. That's templates are gone. So what do they use now? It's super simple. This thing. Now either hits or doesn't hit based on your die roll of your character, um, which is a stat called a ballistic skill. Uh, ballistic skill is basically just it'll say right in the characteristic, this thing hits on a three plus. Roll a d6 on a three or higher, you hit. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, there are things that can change that, though. And it does roll a dice. It does d6 damage. So people who've never played the game before, which is the majority of our listeners, it seems like if you want to get into 40K, now is the time because the rules are simplified a lot. Now is the time. Rules have been simplified drastically, especially from 7th. I think 7th edition of, I've been playing since like 3rd edition. I don't think I ever saw an edition of 40K that was more convoluted and just drowning in rules ever. It was a mess. I mean, it was fun. It had its own fun. And a lot of people really did like the complexities of all the different rules and things like that. But it was very daunting. It was very hard to look at and want to get into. Though the way I explain it, um, since a lot of our like listeners know a lot about D and D, it's the difference between playing D and D like second edition and fifth edition D and D. It's like night and day. We went from extremely complex. Lots of rules to read. I'm probably like a good like 70 pages of rules down to 12 pages of rules. I would say it's the difference between third edition and, and fifth edition. W- was third edition harder than second? Yeah, second was simplified. Okay. Second was yeah. much more simple than third. Yeah. I, I mean, like things were very complex. Like a good example, it was the psychic phase. And the, the psychic phase in seventh edition was... I'll try to remember all of this. It's that fucking complex. It's hard to remember everything. 
you took every single psyker you had and um counted their mastery levels and i gave you a warp charge and then you rolled a d6 to determine how much warp charges you and your opponent got that turned psychic phase and then you would try to manifest powers and you would need like they would say like this thing requires warp charge three and you would then grab as many dice as you wanted and on a four up it like per dice you got one warp charge and you would roll as many dice as you wanted to gamble against that power and if you got any doubles you suffered perils from the warp bad shit happened so you had to like balance between okay i need enough dice to get the warp charges but i also don't want to gamble too much to get hurt by perils of the warp and then your opponent would take his pool of dice and he would roll against yours and on any sixes he got rid of one of your warp charges it was it was a fucking mess now psychic is the psychic power will say what number you need to get it'll say like it requires warp charge five roll two dice if you get equal or higher you manifest the power no crazy bullshit and your opponent could try to deny you and their thing is they roll two d6 if their number is higher than your number they stop you from doing the power bam end of story super simple i i think from you know our listeners perspective they just heard a crap ton of rules and made this game sound like a lot more intimidating from like if i've never played the game before and i come up and watch someone play what am i seeing you're literally seeing a bunch of models everywhere and a bunch of dice and rulers and probably some books out uh because there is the core rule book which basically just explains like this is how the game is played i would also say that yeah it's a bunch of models everywhere but it's a lot like Looking at an HO train layout, which which hopefully more listeners yeah. can, can picture. So, because you've got the terrain, so you've got the trees and the grass and the rocks, and then you have these little one inch tall models that represent the individual troops, and those are the, the the collectible things that you cut cut up and glue together and paint up to be your chapter of whatever Marines or Orcs or whatever you're playing, and and then you pull out your tape measure and determine who can shoot who because it's a game of war. Um, yeah, and there's the there's the train stuff, which is really cool. Like, if you go to a Games Workshop store, they always have amazing tables. They just look yeah. beautiful. Really adds to the character of the game. What I've seen people play before, my first impression is there's one person with models that look like he spent years painting them and that they're painted with expert skill and they're amazing. And then there's another person playing with models that are unpainted and... That always makes me feel good that the game is accessible to pretty much anybody. Like if you're you just want to play a strategy game, you buy the models, put them together, play the game. But if you're really into making everything look perfect and make have a painting hobby too, it expands the game and makes it more interesting for someone who wants to really get detailed and work on their models and give them some personality. Yeah, and if you're yeah. a person who does like beautiful models, but you're worried about your own particular modeling skills or your own painting skills, you can pay people. There are people who will paint for you for money. You could pay people to do it. Now, obviously, the cost will be determined on their skill, how much you want them to do, how complex of a paint job you want. That's up to you and your wallet. But there is that option. There are those people who just like the game. They don't want to paint. But there are also the people who literally just paint and they never play. They have their army set up in their room and they never play, but they look really good. I was almost that type of player. I very rarely played. So, Odin, you you were more attracted to the game from the modeling point of view? Yes, I, I, I was. And also, uh, having played mostly Rogue Trader and, and maybe a little bit of second edition, the all the rule lawyering that went along with the game to determine who can actually do what just killed the fun. But I enjoyed 
making up my own space marines and and uh, kit bashing their own vehicles. Because at least at that time you could. I don't know if you're still allowed to uh, kit bash your own vehicles or not. I mean, like, to- um, totally from scratch. More or less. Um, like a good example is uh, I made a model. I took actually two different models from what's known as Warhammer Fantasy Age of Sigmar is the new name of it. And I kind of like mixed them together. And I was like, this thing is now this instead of what they're supposed to be. And I like I plan on going to a tournament next month, actually. And I actually asked the person running the tournament. I was like, would this be OK as like a conversion for this? And he was like, yeah, that works. It looks cool. OK, good. So you're totally allowed to do that. And then obviously, if you're not even doing tournaments, if you're just playing with friends, whatever oh, yeah. your friends allow is totally cool. It's so totally like, cool, if you yeah. want to come up with like. Maybe you want to try something out and you're like, man, I kind of want to see how good a Land Raider is, but I don't want to spend like $70 on a fucking Land Raider tank. Get some Legos. Yep. <laughs> like, totally yep. get some Legos. Make yep. sure the, the dimensions are correct. But you could get some Legos. And if your friend's like, yeah, whatever, that's a Land Raider. It's just, you know, Legos. That's right. cool. Now, Odin, I'm, I'm really interested in your point of view because you were talking about second edition. So you played way back in like 93. Uh, yeah, 89, 91, 90. Yeah, I can remember when uh, like the Eldar Harlequins came out. They're the new hot thing. Yeah. What's it like hearing about how the game is now compared to how it was back then? Actually, right now, with what he's talking about with 8th edition, it is more exciting because I can remember, I think, 5th edition coming out and it was nothing but templates and it was regimented. You weren't buying individual troops. You were buying squads and the squad would move on a squad template and everything was just all together. There was no kit bashing. You you use the Games Workshop models, or you got the fuck out of the store. And uh, at least that's the way it felt to me. But Games Workshop still has a rule of you can only use Games Workshop models in their stores. Yeah, well, that that would make sense. In their tournament, I, I, I remember also reading, understanding, you had to use the game, the, the Citadel paints on the Citadel miniatures to be in a Games Workshop tournument. Oh, and, you don't have to do that much. No, you, oh, can, use other, you okay. can use other paints. Okay, no, it used to be. From the way it looked and from the way uh, watching other people play a little bit on the tables, it was just, it, it seemed, I don't know, it lost it for me, where you would have practically a deck of cards that represented what you were going to be doing with the squad. And it just, what? It kind of makes sense. I think they're trying to make it to where an army could move faster by putting everybody onto a template move. But it wasn't fun for me, if that makes sense. I, hopefully I'm making enough sense to somebody. It, no, it's, you are. You are. Yeah, it makes sense. The game <laughs> yeah. was daunting. Yeah, it, it for me it seemed very intimidating when I heard about majority of the rules. But the way Ace is going, it seems like it's really streamlining down a lot of stuff and making it seem simpler for people like me who wouldn't mind learning how to play. It really seems like the game's gotten more and more complicated over the last twenty years, and a simplification has just been needed. Did get more complex, I think, because they like Games Workshop had this idea in their head of like, yeah, we are the top dog, kind of like, and they really are. They are the top dog war gaming. More people play Warmer 40k than pretty much any of the other ones, and they probably got this whole idea in their head of, like, we're the best, and we want our game to be the most complicated, most realistic kind of war game kind of game. I think a lot of the a lot of the players and a lot of maybe people working at the company kind of started to realize, like, I mean, we're not like a Civil War reenactment war game, which those exist, oh, yeah. and we're not this and we're not that. So why are we trying to be so ultra-realistic and so granular? This is a game about space elves and space orcs fighting with space wizards with guns and magic powers and and dragons, literal dragons in space. Like, 
why are we trying to be so realistic and granular? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit the theme and it doesn't, and people don't like it. And so now they're going to a thing of like, things are a lot more loose, things are a lot smoother, and it's a lot more fun, in my opinion. Well, on on that note, since you bring that up, let's talk about the lore of the game at this point, because you, you're mentioning space elves and space dwarves and all this stuff. So, um, Space Vikings. <laughs> let, yeah, Space Vikings. Space Vikings, they exist. They so, just, that, that's, that's an army I wouldn't mind getting. I like uh, the Space Vikings. They're, Their they're lore fun. is amazing. They're fun. <laughs> which, which, um, which faction is the, spa- the Space Vikings? The Space Wolves from Planet Fenris. They're a chapter of the Space Marines. Oh, okay. So they're part of the Imperium of Man? Yes. Yes, and they're badass. So we have this Imperium of Man. That's like the big Space Marine group. And then you have a whole bunch of other races. You have the Tau, the Necrons, the Eldar, the Dark Eldar, the Tyranids, the Orcs, and the Forces of Chaos. Tyranids. So, like Tyranids, like, yeah. Like, yeah, like Tyranids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where you have the Chaos Space Marines. That's where you play in it. Uh, yeah, I play the Chaos Space Marines, a particular warband known as the Death Guard. Within each faction, there's other factions. So there's a lot of lore in this game. So while we break this down in lore to just talk about some of your favorite things in the lore, rather than try to go every, go over everything in in great detail, because it could probably get really granular. Odin, do you, do you remember anything about the lore that you really liked? I really enjoyed the four main chaos gods, especially Nurgle, because coming from a modeling point of view, having this diseased horde where anything goes seemed like a lot of fun. And the other main thing I really enjoyed from the lore was uh, had to do with the orcs. And it may have been more of a Warhammer than instead of Warhammer 40K, but they had uh, squigs. And they were these kind of, <laughs> you know, they're like shmoo uh, or something else. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, they're little, fun. Little, little snot monsters. Little little snot monsters, and and there was one called a face eating squig. And one of the fun things that orcs would do is hold it up over their own face and see who could eat who first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! That's <laughs> now that's something to place bets on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like that. <laughs> I had no idea that was for the orcs. Oh, it goes. It, yeah, it goes crazy. The, the squig things, the squig farmers and squig herders. They they actually have models formed for the games. Yeah, <laughs> they take one of the forty millimeter bases and basically cover them with little pieces of lead snot. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's kind of what they look like. <laughs> Wikipedia actually talks about the orcs, and it says, whose simplistic personalities, reckless tacit- tactics, and ramshackle technology make them the comic relief of the setting. And I think you summed that up. Absolutely, yes. I never played orcs, but I've always thought they were really fun. And one of the descriptions for orcs I enjoyed was the idea that an orc will pick up a helmet, and some orcs will pound the helmet to fit the misshapen heads, and other orcs will pound the misshapen heads to fit the helmet. <laughs> I have been a fan of the Eldar because I like the idea of space elves. Anthony was telling me about a faction of space elves that feed on death, of Eldar that feed on death that I thought was pretty cool. How they have they have um, mechanics that draw upon everything that dies around them. Yeah, the Inari. The Inari. They're a new faction. They're really cool. My my girlfriend plays them, and they they're they're on their on table rules reflect their lore, and it's. It's really fucking powerful. Man, it's interesting. You know, you, you, Odin, what you were saying about them being uh, the orcs being comic relief. Oh, yeah. I play uh, right now. I'm play, I play the Warhammer MOBA game, the uh, Freeblade game. 
and when you're fighting the orcs whenever they have their their tech speak it's hilarious because literally like the main chief that they show in one of the the boss levels he's literally just smacking his guys out of the way and telling the runs to move because he's going to be the one to kill him and it's hilarious yeah. <laughs> yes. And orcs like to paint their mechs red because red ones go faster. Red ones go faster. <laughs> red ones go faster. And that's a whole weird thing. <laughs> oh my god. Because it actually works. <laughs> it really does. Orcs are weird. Because it's like weird. well in the orc lore, it's like nobody really knows how their spaceships work. They work because the orcs believe they work. That's <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Wait. That's <laughs> Wait, now they're spiral warriors? Oh, it's weird. 40k lore is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. Anthony, what's some of your favorites from the lore? I, I really do enjoy the Horus Heresy, which is like the thing that caused the whole Chaos Space Marine split. To make like a super crazy long story short, the Emperor of Man, um, he kind of unified everyone together and conquered the galaxy and then the chaos gods created these warp storms that kind of like separated man and then he had to get back he had to start all the way over from scratch and rebuild his empire uh reconquer terror earth and then when the warp storms went away um he went out into the galaxy because he had made these superhuman beings called the primarchs which basically are like kind of his clones almost like they're made of his genetic seed and they all represent a particular characteristic of the emperor and they all got scattered throughout the galaxy because of the chaos gods um and it's a giant like evil plan they have and so he's going out to the galaxy to look for his sons and to reconquer the galaxy because i don't know it's probably like the third time the imperium a man has owned the galaxy and lost it in the process of doing this some of the legions kind of begin to feel that the emperor either isn't doing a very good job or maybe he's not quite the good person they think he is example uh the the empire does not believe at least in this particular part of the story they do not believe in religion there are strictly atheist society to the point that like religion the idea of belief and having a religion is punishable by death uh, the reasoning be- is because belief feeds into the warp and chaos and makes chaos very powerful, and the Emperor knows that. And so he actively fights against belief to keep chaos at bay and weakened because it's our thoughts and it's our emotions that feeds chaos. And belief is the strongest force that feeds them the most. So he fights against that, and uh, the chaos gods basically trick a bunch of the the loyal marines to basically go he's doing this because he wants to be a god he wants to be the one to take control and a bunch of the space marines go well fuck that shit i'm the one doing the work he's not doing he's sitting at home on his giant golden throne literally sitting on a giant golden throne and so they rebel against him and that creates this giant civil war in the year thirty thousand. so 10 years before what's happening right now and it just creates this giant split and it's I'm reading the Horus Heresy books, and they're really cool. And it's really cool lore, and it kind of builds up into this like 10,000-year war that ended with the Empire winning just barely. Like, it was really fucking close. And, like, Horus, the leader of the Empire, he got, like, blown to pieces by psychic by the psychic might of the Emperor. The Emperor got mortally wounded and is being kept alive by, like, this basically on life support it ended very badly for the humans and now they 
they look to the emperor as this kind of like god savior because now they they kind of need him to survive at this point they need that belief now like that once that once held belief that you know religion and having a belief in a god is evil is now the one thing keeping the empire together so i have a really question that's been nagging at me so why does a strategy game with painting miniatures and playing strategy game that requires a lot of rules and measurement and dice and stuff why does that need a rich backstory uh because it does because it does. It's, it's a way of keeping the game going, and uh, the more of, the, of a rich backstory you have, the more the players can pick from for creating their own factions or which faction they're going to make. This is, of course, assuming 8th uh, edition still allows you to create your own version of the Space Marine. You, you can't just pick from a list. More or less, yeah. They added keywords, and you could fill in the blanks with your own stuff if you want. Oh, okay. Well, but there's good. also books, and there's a movie... There's a Warhammer 40k movie. There's also video games that expand upon the lore. This is a system that's been around since, what, 1987? Uh, something like that, yes. Yeah. Do they have events at the conventions that integrate the story into whatever event is going on? Yes. Okay, so a little bit ago, there was this thing that was going on, this camp, this like giant campaign called the 13th Black Crusade. Basically, in the original story, Abaddon, the man who takes over the, the rebellion, who takes over the Chaos Space Marines when Taurus dies, he had these 12 previous Black Crusades that all failed. And the 13th one was like, ooh, it's number 13, spooky numbers. And he kind of like was going to use this to try to attack Terra and try to like, you know, win this war. And so they had this worldwide campaign where people would play games like chaos versus like everything else and they would like literally go and on the internet this was the very early stages of the internet mind you and say what happened and how their battle report went and blah 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 and they would like collect all these battle reports and that was going to affect the actual story there was rampant cheating and rampant tampering a battle report as a giant protest from a bunch of people because they were very upset with the way the story was going and lots of crazy shit happened it was it didn't work out very well for games workshop it was a cool idea but it was implemented extremely badly and there was a lot of people a lot of bad apples who really ruined it um i i kind of wish they would do something like that again i think that would be really cool but maybe you know have make it a little bit more organized one of the things that people can do if they want to get more into the lore, if they get into the setting, they really like the setting, they like their armies and stuff, uh, they can then play the pen and paper role-playing games that go along with the setting. So there's Dark Heresy, Rogue Trader, Death Watch, Black Crusade, and you can really, you can, um, what was the other one, Only War? Probably, I think it's Only War. That's where you play Imperial Guard foot soldiers? Yes. And... You can really dig into this rich setting because it's an amazingly rich setting. There's, I mean, you're talking about all these different fantasy creatures fighting in space with this really long history. And if you don't want to get into that, there's board games and there's card games. You're talking about something that's been around a really long time. It's a super nerdy thing because I'm sure this is the first time a lot of listeners are hearing about this. Warhammer 40K and the Warhammer universe and all that's been around forever. Which brings me to bring up the thing that Odin brought up earlier, because we got to talk about this. Okay. What is Blood Bowl? Oh, what is Blood Bowl? <laughs> Blood Bowl. <laughs> Blood Bowl is a fun one. 
Blood Bowl is a fun one. Okay, so what is Blood Bowl? Blood Bowl, I enjoyed a lot. It is uh, basically fantasy football, but not in the American sense at all. It is taking place more or less in the Warhammer universe, in the sort of future-ish where humans and orcs were fighting, and then they determined that they were sitting on top of some large building that ended up being a an NFL stadium, and they fell inside and found the great book of Nuffle NFL, and so they started creating football teams, uh, but it's orcs versus humans versus skeletons versus elves versus halflings, and uh, they decided that AstroTurf was too soft, so they started playing on Astro Granite, and most of the football armor has spikes, and then they had spikes to the football to make it more interesting <laughs> it's literally I, fantasy football yeah i have i have literally. seen <laughs> i have seen it played several times over at socal games and comics our local favorite game shop in temecula california nice and it's it's fun because like they had a I, one of the miniatures i want to say he was supposed to be a giant but he was wearing like basically just a helmet and i don't I know like, much about blood bowl actually aside from the video games so this is all news to me too well, there, there are video games. That's, that's actually a really good point to bring up. SoCal Games and Comics does a turn, does a periodic tournament where they actually hand out trophies. And one of the trophies is a foot is a blood ball football. That's so cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> nice. There are, I mean, we've mentioned that Warhammer 40K is based on Warhammer, which is the fantasy version of this. And yeah. there are tons of these strategy games out there from different companies. There's War Machine. There's all sorts of different stuff. But. Um, I, I wanted to just talk about Blood Bowl real quick because you brought it up because being able to play football with like fantasy characters and magic and oh, yeah. death and it's just an amazing game. You can go on YouTube and watch people play it or watch people play the video game. Um, yes. If you don't have a game store to check out, it is really worth it. Wor- and Blood Bowl is a lot easier to learn than a lot of the other games. Yes, yeah, it is. Considerably easier. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would hope so. But okay, I have to say this, you know, real quick, because like we're talking about fantasy football. What's funny is they have there. I found this video a long time ago with Matt Mercer in it, and the, and guys are sitting down. They all have they have a piece of paper in their phones out, and then all suddenly uh, the door rings. Like, oh, I invited my friend Matt over to, to he wants to join the fantasy football league, and all of a sudden the door swings open, and Matt Mercer's there in a Gandalf hat with like a bunch of D and D books and a staff, and he's like, all right, guys, let's do this. Are you ready to play some fantasy football? Oh yeah, and like, what are you doing? He goes, we're gonna play fantasy football. I goes, no, dude, like we do this. It's based off of stats and game ratings and stuff, and he's like. Oh, I, I gave Peyton Manning a plus 20 to over <laughs> to encumberment throw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh, I laughed so hard at that. It's just the moment you're like fantasy football. I thought of that. So when when you're playing these games, you see people with the really detailed miniatures. And that's real intimidating to people who want to get into the game. Odin. Yes. How hard is it to paint miniatures? Does it require huge amounts of skill? Is it really hard to learn? Is it something that pretty much anyone can do if they want to print basic miniatures and have them look halfway decent? Basically, yes. I do believe it is something that anyone could do if they want to paint basic miniatures and make them look halfway decent. All you really need to worry about is 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 his jersey red, is the helmet white, is his face some sort of skin tone, and you're 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 doing great. You don't have to have the award-winning miniatures right off the bat. That includes, you know, uh, terrain on the base, so it looks like it disappears when you set them down. It's, that's not necessary. Is that the same same thing apply when you're talking about a game like Warhammer 40K? 
almost even more so. Uh, you only got 16 miniatures you got to pay for Blood Bowl. If you're going to play Warhammer 40K, you could have hundreds. There are guys that still paint every single miniature, for lack of a better term, like a hero miniature, and they are all museum quality. And that is awe-inspiring to see and, and, and a lot of fun to look at. But if you just want to play, you could practically take your, if you're going to be using plastic miniatures, spray paint them, come back and pick out a highlight color, and now you know which ones are yours, and you've, you've actually got painted miniatures out on the playing field. Now, Anthony, you've shared your photos of your miniatures painted. How much time do you spend on those? I spend hours, but probably because I'm a really slow painter. <laughs> but yeah, I like hours. And it, it's fun. I enjoy it. Like like Odin said, it's how difficult and how skilled you want it to be uh, and how difficult you want the painting to be is really up to you. Yeah, I've seen people do things as simple as spray paint, base coat, one coat, two coat, done. And do like, you, that could take minutes. When playing yeah. at a game shop, you see judgment when people bring in miniatures that are half-assed? Almost never. No. No, no never. Almost I see never. I see more judgment for unpainted miniatures in, in my past. That happens and, sometimes, but even then, like, I think most people just don't care. Now, if you want to go to a tournament, there are certain painting rules for a lot of tournaments. Most tournaments have a particular rule of, like, at least three coats of paint. Primer counts as a coat. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Not all tournaments, but some do have those rules. So double check with your tur- tournament, like um, particular group and what their rules are. It's just, you know, fair warning to people out there. But most game shops don't have those. And depending on the scope of the event, they have different rules. Like I know, like at Strategicon conventions, not only are there different events going on with different painting rules required, there's also a loner table where you can go to the loner table and anybody can go to most conventions and play by going to the loner table and borrowing an army. Oh, that's really cool. That is really cool. That is amazing. That is really cool. But this whole painting thing, I'm so glad there's no requirements like that for Pathfinder because you know how hard <laughs> it was for me just to paint the jacket on my Gunslinger Mini. I actually contacted someone I knew who worked for Reaper and and paid her and had her paint something and mail it to me. That works. Yeah. That works. Yeah. And that is an option. If that yeah. really is the option you want to go down, uh, that could get kind of costly, but it costs be kind of cheap if you're like, uh, just make it halfway decent. Me and Brian used to do Pathfinder with with a woman who that's what that's one big thing she does. And I think we're talking about the same person, Brian. Oh, Katie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Katie. Katie's amazing. She works for Reaper now. Back in the day, she didn't work for Reaper at the time, but. Um, she'd, well, she'd been volunteer, volunteering for Reaper for years to go to cons and then she finally got to work for them and she's an amazing painter. Oh yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of her work. She is awesome. Well, does she still host the workshops? Um, I don't know. She, she lives in Texas working for Reaper now. I'm not entirely sure what she's doing. Yeah, well, I, I know she's living out there, but she still travels a lot. So I was wondering if she still did the workshops. No, I don't know. So, um, that, are there any final notes for Warhammer 40k? I just would like to say, if there's anyone who's like always wanted to get into this, maybe they've liked 40k. Maybe after hearing this, they're like, "That sounds fun." Seriously, right now really is the best time. Um, the core rule book that I mentioned earlier, the whole 12 pages, is completely free. You could go online and get the PDFs for the core for the core rules needed necess- needed to play the game for Eighth Edition, completely free. Um, that's awesome. Originally, that's like you know, that's like a book that would cost hundreds of dollars, and it's, they're giving those rules out for free. Uh, you do still have to go get the index books. Uh, 
normally armies have have codexes for each of their armies. Now they have these stand-in indexes because they got rid of all the codexes because they didn't work for the new rules. And each one of those index books has like multiple armies. Like example uh, would be Xenos Two. The Xenos Two book has like orcs, orcs, um, Tau. Um, I think Necrons, blah, 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 blah. Um, so you just get these index books and they're like 25 bucks. They're not really expensive. Okay. So the standard game book. And they, the models are where things get costly. They can cost anywhere from bucks for a single model to like hundreds of dollars for something very, very nice and very expensive. Um, so, you know, use your discretion of what you can afford, but honestly, I would say like maybe a good hundred bucks could get you a very decent starting thing of like maybe a headquarters choice and like some troops choices, um, you know, like infantry foot sloggers to see if you want to like get into the hobby. The cool thing about 40 K is the models generally don't get rotated out. So things I have models from like rogue trader that my dad got me that like I can still use those. Oh, wow. That's actually really awesome. So, your investment goes for years, and like go, you can you can find people who are willing to sell used models really cheap. You can also buy starter kits, which save you a lot of money. I, I know it's still real expensive. Like you can get a starter kit that starts around eighty bucks, but that saves you a lot of money in the long run if you're talking about getting into the hobby. Yeah. Well. The the big eighth edition starter set that they're selling, Anthony, doesn't that come with two full armies? Comes with two full armies. Okay, so you and a friend can totally like go half and half, eighty bucks, eighty bucks, and you both get your first starting army. Um, it comes with a hardback version of the book, so not the PDF, which is like twelve pages of rules and the other hundred and eighty eight pages of all lore. It's a giant lore book with some rules. It comes with also little, it comes with measurements, it comes with dice, it comes with, and it even comes with the particular indexes, those index books I was talking about. It comes with little pamphlets telling you how to play those two armies. So you wouldn't even have to buy the indexes. You would just have to, it would come with the pamphlets for those two armies. And you could, 80 bucks, you and a friend, you both can play. That's yeah. See, to me, that's really cool. Because I mean, what's one thing is like you could live in an area where hardly anybody plays Warhammer, and if you buy just just an army, you're just sitting on top of it forever, and unless you feel like driving to God in a way to get there. So the the, the starter sets with two armies is really great because then you can suck another friend into your problem. I mean, hobby. Um, but seriously, right now is the best time. The rules have never been simpler. It, they're so easy to get into. I I literally just read. I didn't even read. The book itself, um, I could have at the Games Workshop. I watched YouTube videos and I read a little bit of stuff here and there. I already pretty much know exactly how to play him. It does not take a lot. That's good. So we got a little bit of listener feedback, and I'm just going to read over that real quick. Um, Kat um, po- um, left us some feedback. She says, my only experience with the game is a couple times I played it. It was an interesting game. My experience with the game mainly comes from having watched Hindu Anthony play with his father and friends back in the day, and it was confusing to watch where you don't know what is happening. For me, the fun part of the game was getting to paint the models, because you have to just pay attention to detail and let your creative side out. And we got two bits of feedback for corrections. Um, Anthony and I were talking about Tales from the Crypt, and um, Heather and Kat both sent us corrections that, yes, it was syndicated and put on regular TV. I was wrong. I 
just don't think I was wrong. I think I just didn't know that. (laughs) Yes, it was on HBO back in the day. And we were both right. Yes, (laughs) we were both correct. Now that we are done with our Warhammer 40k discussion, that was really interesting and still (laughs) daunting for me. I'm I'm still feeling like I I enjoy people watching the game, but I don't think I'm going to make it my hobby. The the cost is just too much for me. But Odin had some great experience with this. Anthony had is is really into this game and just feed off his excitement. If you're interested in playing this kind of thing, or if you're still not sure, go to a game shop when they're doing their events and you can watch people play. And it can it it if it's your kind of thing, or if you just want to paint minis, you just want to get into some kind of crafting hobby, that it, it will definitely be worth your time. We have our bad description of a movie segment. And today we are going to describe Tremors for Anthony. <laughs> okay. This was a movie that Odin suggested we describe. Yes. It's one of my uh, all-time favorites. So the way we do this is we'll, we'll each take turns describing the movie badly. So describe a short bit and then ta- and then name someone else to tag in to describe. Just don't tag in Anthony because we're explaining the movie to him. He has not seen it. Yep. Never seen Tremors. So, Odin, would you give us the honor of starting off? Just um, run off a few lines of how the movie starts and hand it over to someone else, to to uh, Michael or myself by name, and we will take up where you left off. Well, all right. Uh, I have to describe it badly, so I can't be super detailed, because it actually starts out fantastically. The, the opening shot is a, a four-hire ranch hand urinating off of a cliff, who then comes back and complains to his buddy that there's no fresh coffee. And um, <laughs> and as yeah, <laughs> I mean, what else do you need? Those the those are the yeah. I will tag out because I'm not sure exactly sure how badly I'm supposed to be describing this. <laughs> well, you got you got um the these two guys are Kevin Bacon and um, Reno Williams. And uh, yes, <laughs> I love them both. I love and both. They are guys. both in the desert, and there, there's a bunch yeah. of stuff that happens. Like there's a desiccated guy hanging from a hanging from a, a telephone pole. And um, eventually, penis-shaped um, sandworms come out of the ground and start attacking people. And people get really scared, and they have to um, they have to make sure that they don't stand on the ground, or the sand penises will kill them. So, yeah, like you said, the, the sand penises are, are very deadly, but what he's failing to mention is that the sand penises actually have these toothy tentacle snake monster things that will actually pull you into the ground. So it makes even being on the ground even more dangerous. Now, the two main characters, which is, you know, Kevin Bacon's character, basically Kevin Bacon's character from Footloose, just life never went good for him after high school. So to Arizona. <laughs> so the guy from Footloose. Yeah, his life, basically it's him. His life got really shitty after high school. Okay. Like the whole dancing thing got bad. And so he moved moved out to like Nevada basically or Arizona <laughs> and dude from Footloose Nevada. is finding finding sand penises and got it they have they have he has a gun nut neighbor who's just like in his basement shooting she, he shoots the sand penises and well the gun nut neighbor is actually <laughs> the dad from family ties who got who got um disillusioned with his left wing hippie lifestyle left his family and became a gun nut in the middle of the desert and he married a country singer yes. yeah he 
he he met he met Reba McIntyre and he was like, <laughs> you know what? I don't want to be a hippie anymore. I I decided I love guns. Let's move out to the desert. And then he realized that was a mistake because then he had to shoot sand penises in his basement. A uh, fun fun non movie side note: Reba McIntyre for years in her concerts would have a sand penis come up out of the stage when she was performing the song for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> is that really true yes yeah she when she would perform the song for the movie there would be some sort of a sandworm attack yeah for years that is, that is the best <laughs> i never I thought it. i'd heard reba mcintyre incorporating elements from guar on her stage <laughs> yep <laughs> that's so cool uh that's amazing but, but yeah, uh, the other big problem with these these penises, aside from the fact that basically they have tentacle penises that come out of their mouths, and these tentacles have mouths on the end of the tentacles. Wait, so uh, penises have penises? Yes. Oh, and, 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 and those penises have teeth in the mouths. Uh, they're attracted by noise and vibrations, a lot like the sandworms from Dune. So you, you can't just not be on the ground. You can't make any noise. So it becomes this real problem to not make any noise in the desert and try and get away from the sandworms because you're in the middle of the freaking desert and nowhere to go. Yeah, it's all loose dirt and you, and you have to stay on residual boulders. Yes. <laughs> so but it, it's really good. And I have to say they have an amazing truck in that movie. Like that's the car guy coming at me. I love their truck. In that <laughs> of course, movie. Michael would get awesome. excited about the truck. <laughs> So them avoiding the them avoiding the the sand penises is basically the entire movie, and then um, then they blow it up like Jaws at the end. The movie literally <laughs> is Jaws. And it's uh, sand Jaws, Jaws in the desert. It's, it's Jaws. Jaws in the desert. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's a shark movie in the desert. Uh, <laughs> the movie's great, and he pulls and, out some amazing guns. And it and went it all- on. It went on to spawn four sequels and a TV series. Oh yep. my god! Oh, it dude. The sequels, like the last. I want to say last two sequels, you're just like, what the hell? But the see, but the the direct sequel, basically the just the second one, well, I thought was just as good. Yeah, the second one is is just as good. I it's think got, it's got a little what the fuck, but it is just as good. My favorite one is the third one where they actually go back in time and they do it in the old west in the same town. Oh, that's the, the fourth one. That's the fourth. Oh, one. is that the fourth one? Yep. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that's my favorite one because it's basically the exact same plot of the first movie, but in the old west, and some of the characters have shifted personalities, and the um the dad from Family Ties plays the plays the ancestor of his character. <laughs> Actually, the dad from Family Ties, I think, is the only actor that's in all of them, and he yeah. refused to talk about the movie after the first one. <laughs> yeah, he was even in the he was even in the most recent one, Bloodlines, where he yeah. he he's with Jamie Kennedy. Yep. He um. Well. Oh yeah, the guy that's in every stellar movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, he's he stayed. He's the only one that stayed for all the movies, and it's like, dude, did you could you not get work? <laughs> Uh, something else, uh, if if you remember back to you guys were talking about Big Trouble Little China, Egg Shen runs the shop in in the town where the penis yeah, is play- Yeah, he does, and he, he basically he plays almost the same character. Yeah, he pretty much does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Anthony, I have to ask, want to see it? Uh, I want to see the sand penises attack people. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, a a few hentai's I've already watched, but you know, whatever. I think I was only I think I was only like eight or nine when I first saw the movie. But no, they came out in the nineties. No, no, no. Tremors came out in the eighties. Yep, I saw it in the nineties. Yeah, I, well, I think I was yeah. only eight or nine when I saw Tremors. I saw it on VHS at a friend's house. I, I saw it. Yeah, I, I think I first saw it on TV when I was like seven. So, Odin, 
Do you have any upcoming projects or anything you want to plug, convention appearances that are coming up, etc.? I, I don't have any confirmed convention appearances at the moment. I, I have applied to a couple, but that doesn't mean I'm going. Let's see, the most exciting thing coming up for me, aside from the lightsaber build, which will be on the Beyond Geek channel, the all the DIY prop shop hosts, all four of us are getting together to do a special episode of Prank It Forward. And I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to build something with Vinny, with Hendo, and with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Rage. And I don't know when that's coming out, probably about a month, but um, that I'm thinking that's going to be a lot of fun. Are all of you guys in the same area? No, not at all. I'm I'm in Northern California and everyone else is in Southern California. Oh, so you're going to have so, to do some traveling. Yeah, so I have to do some traveling to go meet up with them. If you yeah. have any free time when you're down here, let us know. Maybe we can all get together. Oh, okay, yeah. Totally. Please, I mean, yeah, that's good. Sure, yeah. Well, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I have no idea when this episode comes out, but from my point of view right now in, in this timeline, it's next week. So... <laughs> I can teach you to play 40K 8th edition. <laughs> I can show you my house. I can show you the world. What? Tone down the stalker fanboy. I, I was actually really controlled this episode, so I decided I had to I had to pull something out of the end. Oh, Michael. And yeah, that's Michael. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, no, that, actually, yeah. that'd be cool if you did if you did come down for like one day and everything. And we actually got to do like a meetup for like a couple hours. That yeah. would be really cool. Yeah, uh, there's there's a good possibility, a really good one. So, like I said, it's going to be next uh, Sunday, Monday, and then I come come back on uh, Tuesday afternoon. Well, keep us posted if we if if we all get together, that'd be neat. Yeah. Um, if so, I can't wait for that video. I I've been actually looking forward to you guys doing something like that ever because I watch all the different DIY prop shop hosts, and it'd be cool to see you all together making something. Uh, that's something I've been excited for for a long time. Yeah. Um, if um. If listeners want to see you or contact you, where do they go? Where do they go? Uh, well, my, let's see. I have a Facebook, Odin Makes. Uh, I, I'm just Odin Abbott on Instagram. Uh, and then my YouTube is also Odin Makes. And that's um, O-D-I-N-M-A-K-E-S. And you can also find him on DIY Prop Shop. And yes, I'm a host on DIY Prop Shop. Which is on the AWME channel. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you being there for me. <laughs> That's what we're here for. One of you is the blind eye dog in this. Yes. Well, you know, my excuse is I've been up all night trying to get my newest prop done. Now that it's triple digits in Northern California, so I, I, when 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 we're done doing this, I'm going to bed. I know. I know how you feel. I was up late oh, last God. night too. I am turning all my fans back on. <laughs> it's oh, already yeah. starting to get hot. But actually, what I got going on is after we're done recording, I'm heading out to Soko Games and Comics in Temecula and checking out their events for Free RPG Day, which is today, on the day we're recording, not on the day where this is going live. Yeah. It's Saturday, June 17th, and Free RPG Day is today. Um, Paizo Publishing has their first preview of, their first like public preview of Starfinder, which is the fantasy sci-fi role-playing oh, game that they're coming out with. so fun. So yeah, I'm looking forward to cool. checking it out. There's also a ton of stuff from other publishers, but I've been so distracted by what Paizo is doing that I don't know. And that's going to be a surprise for me today. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to seeing all that. Oh, that um, cool. Michael, you you have something very special going on today. What are you doing? I'm actually going to a family reunion today. I'm going to get to see family I haven't seen in a very, very long time. Uh, I get to see a great aunt and uncle that I haven't seen since I was 12. Oh, wow. Uh, cool. So a bunch of cousins are coming over and... 
we're going to go, we're going to be at my mom's house, we're going to barbecue, and they're like, everybody's going to sit outside under the carport. I'm like, we're in Southern California in June. I'm sitting inside. Oh, that sounds cool. So I'll get to see people. I mean, miss free RPG day, but I get to see family. That's good. I know all my family's in New York, and I almost never get to see them, so I'm excited yeah, for that's, you. That's rough, yeah, because like, uh, most of the family that uh, that's coming in that I'm going to that I'll see are like people they family that's in Arizona, Texas, and I think somebody from Arkansas. Anthony, you um I know you have a convention coming up in like a month. What do you got going on? So this weekend, okay, as I as we had already said, um this weekend, 8th edition officially drops for 40k. Woot woot. Um for the last 2 weeks it's really been kind of like a like a giant of like release event thing going on, so the rules have kind of been already like release and everybody knows what's going on but today is the actual official release so i get my my pre-ordered uh starter kit that i bought last week and then me and my girlfriend leslie who is super she's also into 40k we've been painting terrain i got a battle mat uh we plan on putting the models together and we actually want to record ourselves doing a battle report and then hopefully we p- could put it on the Facebook page and we could actually show you all how to actually play the game like in a video that you can watch and we'll explain in detail how the game is actually played instead of having if you don't want to read like go through all the rules and reading and all that that sounds awesome. great so yeah, busy weekend lots of painting a- and putting stuff together i own a tripod yeah, sure the, the, the notorious tripod that I sent you passive aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> like Katie, so, like my wife with the jacket, I am going to just shove that down your throat and mention it any chance I get. So we talked about Warhammer 40K, the new edition. We went into painstakingly detail on some of the rules changes. We talked about painting miniatures, allure, the, um, the role-playing game. We even went into... One of the games that spawned from the Warhammer Universe Blood Bowl. And we had Odin here, which is always a pleasure. Thank you, Odin. Oh, you're very welcome. I love being here. Um, Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. If you want to get a hold of Nerd Podcast Radio, you can do that on the Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page. And you can also reach us by email at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com or mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at SuperVeganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, and if you want to reach Hindu Anthony, you can reach him at at NerdcastRadio. Thank you all so much for being here today with me. I had a lot of fun talking about this today. I hope you did too. I hope you're informed, Brian. You hope I'm informed about what? Warhammer 40k. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I am very informed. I, like I said, I don't mean to be the poopo pants. I'm probably still not going to play the game. It's too too much of an investment for me, but I think it's a worthwhile investment for anyone who wants to pick up a hobby. If you are hobby list, this is a good one to get into. All hobbies have an expense associated with them. You know, if you want to see some geek culture, go to a store and watch people play this game. I may not play the game or have plans on playing the game, but I actually really enjoy doing that. I like watching people play and learning about different things people do in the hobby universe. It's not for everybody, and I agree that that's fair, but it is fun. Especially if you just want to look at the armies. Some of them are painted so stupidly well. <laughs> so well, just this, go online and look at the, some of the paintings. It's holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really it's really worth it. You go online and look for some really cool Warhammer painting. There's some amazing stuff. So this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. I have been your today's host, um, Super Vegan Brian. Michael will be hosting again next week. And we also had... Getting my gold Ma- thrown back. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Say that again, Michael. Getting my golden throne back. <laughs> so you can be the immortal God King special Mikey. Yep. Um, and we also nice. had special Mikey. Bye, everybody. Jealous shooters are good. Hindu Anthony. Bye, everyone. Busy day. And our very special guest, Odin, the Godfather Abbott. <laughs> you take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Nerd Con... con- this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Everybody stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Stay awesome. awesome. Stay awesome. <laughs>